Hello and welcome to the Nauru Fastcast with your hosts, Dave and Josh Masson. Pull up a chair and listen to us discussing fasting and health-related topics. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Nauru Fastcast. Um, I hope you've all been enjoying what we've been doing so far. I know um, I'm really enjoying doing the podcast and so are Josh. Uh, today I'm going to do a uh, short podcast on some information I found, which is something that's been coming into my life um, quite often at the moment. And I thought it would be something I'd really interesting to share. So this is kind of about how social sort of um, circles, social interactions um, and people that are close to you have an impact on your health. Um, I like the phrase that you are the sum of your five closest people. And I really kind of like that, you know, it's sort of, it's about the sort of that Josh had in, in episode four, I think it was, was the eight unconventional health hacks, which was things like, you know, don't listen to someone that health goals aren't greater than your own for yourself, you know, because if you're listening to people that aren't, don't want to be healthier than you are, then you're, if you use their kind of what they advise you to do you're only ever going to be as healthy as the information you're given so I feel that it's the same thing in life you know if you want higher aspirations for your life then you need to listen to people that have even higher aspirations for you because you know ultimately when you set yourself a target you'll probably reach that target you know if you want to have that's why we sort of have goals and aspirational goals because quite commonly we kind of underestimate how what we can really achieve and I think the same thing comes back into health and it's so important you know the social pressures when you're at work you know someone brings a cake in and they say oh you know just have its one slice or you know and I used to find that you know I'd be at work and I'd be having healthy food all the time that I'd make and then I'd be like oh it's just one biscuit or it's oh it's just one this and then you again as you always talk about you know it's the collective behaviors that you do every day that make a stacking effect over your lifetime or just in the short term and just finding that cutting those things out so just abstaining from them means that you're not having it it's not compounding over the year and secondly it just becomes more natural and more of a natural behavior to abstain from those things and this kind of feeds quite naturally into what we're talking about today which is sort of social pressures among young people around 18 to 25 year olds um this is because that this age range of people really are seeing around about 40 percent um, of that age range between 18 to 25 are being overweight which is massive it's not sort of as reflective of the population but it's still huge but considering you know you're kind of looking at a one to two pound weight gain you know uh, per year in their lifetime so if you're already starting out and you're sort of adolescence being overweight you can see how the cumulative sort of stacking effect can can occur over through their lifetime, which is terrifying, really. And a lot of it sort of comes down to the social pressures, social norms and, and what that influences. And the same thing about the family unit. You know, it's sort of been shown that people, uh, families that sit up to the table and eat um, have tend to have as a group a lower sort of a BMI. They tend to choose more healthy foods they're not eating on the go and those behaviors when they are when they will go back and have a look at the children's behaviors they are shown to actually follow on into adulthood from the child so you know it is really important same as the mother and the father you know you probably see it a lot you know if you're the parents smoke you'll probably see a generational being handed down to the children smoking and i feel that that sort of um 
that handing down of behaviors is so true even to good ones so i think you kind of always focus on oh my dad was a drinker i'm a drinker etc 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 but actually you can also hand down some really good behaviors and i think it's about actually flipping that around and being like well what can i hand down which is really positive so give you a little example of um my brother and i starting the room my children now are really interested in business you know my my little one wanted to buy something the other day and i said to him oh look you know um how do you you know he said well, said how do i make money so we had a conversation about you know making something and then selling it so buying it for a certain amount making a profit on it and then when you take away what you what you sold it for what you sell it what you bought it for what you're selling it for then that's your profit and then you can go and buy what you want with that so he wanted to go and buy a toy which he never does but it was just sort of I think he wanted sort of something material to buy or to see for what he'd done after it and he managed to achieve it you know he went out and you know spent four pounds on some ingredients and made cookies and went and sold them around the village and made 18 pounds from it and it was a really interesting experiment because he'd basically been watching me grow a business and um you know my wife runs her own business and seeing sort of how that works and he's sort of six years old sort of wanted to understand a bit more about it and you know they become a lot more curious with their health and understanding what are good and bad and obviously there's there's the other side you know we're quite health conscious in our house and you know sometimes we can go the other way so my harvey can also say things like oh we can't have that's got too much sugar in it so you know sometimes you need to readdress that balance and say oh am i a bit too overzealous on sort of being descriptive about the negative consequences of food or lifestyle and could that be influencing our children to be maybe a bit um, overcautious or a bit obsessive with food so I think as a parent and it's it's interesting but to you, you can really see that in child but I think in terms of your social group I think you also have such an influence because this paper that I'm going to talk to you about in a second was analyzing the effects of non non-weight individuals with overweight and obese individuals and how they impact each other within a group to improve their health and there are some really interesting statistics around that and they don't this isn't just done for weight and the social effects you know this is also done in sort of um smoking in adolescence you know um, antisocial behavior you know bullying and um you know sort of sexual health and things like that there's a lot of studies done in this type of group because they're so influential but actually when you extrapolate that into the workplace you become an adult you can so often do you come into a workplace and it's you know i do it every day i, I, I uh, at work i always take my food in i'm always fasting i'm always doing something and it's just none of the other people can understand it they just cannot get why i'm doing it and they'll be like oh what are you eating that for and why don't you eat this and why do you eat that and again it's it's fine but it, again if i had if i wasn't um strong enough in my own convictions about what i want to do it could easily be a detriment they're they're lovely they're only sort of you know i suppose curious but you can see sometimes if you kind of don't want to put your head above the sand sometimes when it comes to health and you've got family members wives you know cousins uncles parents and things like that that aren't healthy that kind of can't understand why you're doing it and they feel more comfortable when you are in the same space that they are maybe not improving their health or not doing healthy behaviors not going out for the run every day you can see how mickey taking can kind of become a kind of soft way of of deterring you from 
finding something you know from doing something that they kind of wish they could do which is tends to be the case harsh but it, it it's kind of true in a lot of time you know and tends to what happens you takes one person to do it and then you find that you get a bit of a momentum around it you know the number of times that i've had friends that i never thought would do fasting or would do certain things that you kind of speak to them two three months down the line and they're like oh I'm, I'm actually sort of fasting or i'm actually sort of trying this zone two workout and oh i've tried more salt in my um diet and i've tried doing this doing that and i'm like how do you feel and you know most of the time people are like yeah i actually feel so much great i feel so much better for it and i'm carrying it on so that influence is is key so let's get back to the study so <clears throat> It was the social influences um, are associated with BMI and weight loss intentions in young adults. So we've talked about there's lots of other studies that have been done before, but this study looked about whether sort of clusters among sort of normal weight individuals, obese and overweight individuals would have an impact. And again, on the impact on their desire to find um, healthy behaviors outside of those social groups. So they basically took 288 um adults that were normal weight, 151 that were overweight, and 137 that were obese, and this was the age between 18 to 25, okay? Now, the, the, the studies do reference other studies, so the good thing is, is this study did tend to uh, correlate the findings that were found by other studies that had done, um, uh, their, their, their group was 18 to 70 year olds. So, again, it's good when you kind of get replication of results um, and they're done in sort of slightly different ways because you can kind of see this actually becomes a bit of a trend. So this was fascinating. So so basically the chance of becoming increase um, of the chance of becoming a beast increases by 57% if a friend becomes a beast. It increases by 40% if a sibling becomes a beast and 37% increased risk of becoming a beast if a spouse becomes a beast which is insane it's the same same thing of you know if someone in your family starts to reduce down their alcohol intake you are you have a 29 percent increase in the kind of uh, chance of you abstaining from the alcohol as well if an individual cuts out alcohol within your sort of close social group so you can really see actually the, the, the kind of how much of an impact i mean that's a huge that's a 30 percent increase in likelihood of you actually stopping drinking alcohol or limiting your alcohol intake in if someone, your wife or, you know, if your husband or something stops. And how often do we kind of uh, subconsciously deter people sometimes from getting up and doing their workout in the morning and when you're lying in bed or, you know, you're fasting and the other person's having breakfast or having a bowl of cereal and they kind of look at you and, you know, it, it, it sometimes it's like a jealousy thing and, you know, we've all been guilty of, of doing it. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's studies that have shown, you know, how, like I said before about the health behaviours of parents can uh, have a trickle down effect to the children and they will then take those healthy behaviours on through their um, adulthood. And that's what it's about, you know, it's sort of handing down sort of changed, good, healthy behaviours. And yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we think about sort of kids aged, um, which kind of reflects, I suppose, in this um data found that you know 40% of adults in this age range are overweight that there's around about 70% of, of children in this age range do not hit the UK's um, recommended exercise of 150 minutes a week so when you think about 
tying it in with exercises we said before i think in last week's podcast that if you've got smoking obesity have a three-fold increase in all-cause mortality then you've got exercise has a five-fold reduction in all cause mortality it just frames how important exercise is in your overall health reduction protocol and that's everything from you know what comes with obesity is metabolic dysfunction how what's one of the groundings of metabolic dysfunction insulin um yeah hyperinsulinemia so high insulin high glucose where's the big sink for all of this where do we store it all muscles liver exercise helps to some exercise or more resistant training but helps to improve it but then also as we talked before about the zone two training helps to improve your mitochondria to burn fat and also helps to improve your metabolic flexibility and overall health especially metabolic health so again cannot overstate the importance of exercise and it also comes into sort of exercise as a choice. So exercise has become part of your daily choice and daily behaviors. And that is really, really interesting. So obviously in episode four, Josh talks about these eight unconventional health hacks and I'm gonna take some of them now. I'm just gonna read a couple of them because I think they're really fascinating. So ignore health advice from unhealthier people. So I think that's really interesting. If you kind of find people that, you know, if you if you wanted to be a millionaire and you saw someone that was a million pounds in debt and they start giving you advice, you're not going to take their advice because that's not where you want to be. So it's the same thing, I think, when it comes to health. You know, it's OK if someone may have some really good information, but if they're not putting that information into practice or they're not actually exercising that in the sense of they're not living what it's easy to tell someone what to do, but it's very hard to actually do to put things into place and make it a habit that lasts that's the thing so don't listen to people who are unhealthy than you want to be an unhealthy mindset means an unhealthy intentions and people who have smaller dreams for your life than you do don't listen to them because i think that's quite an interesting one um so basically taking from these studies there they were kind of found that there, there was when you look at the social ties and actually tends to be more ties from closer family, friends, etc. And less of an impact from things like co-workers, people from school, neighbours did have a massive impact on your kind of chance of becoming a beast or your in, your your want to go and do behaviours that cause you to obviously reduce your obesity. Now, interestingly, among all of the subjects that were um studied and obviously the the, the limitation study was a self-reported study through a questionnaires but they did actually say which was quite interesting that even in the overweight and obese category they still categorized obese behaviors and obesity as socially unacceptable so i think it kind of speaks to a wider problem of actually how do you kind of connect with those people that are in that mindset that potentially do want to lose weight um, and just don't know where to go. And I just always sort of find that the, that the easiest things to do first, we talked about um, the Vilpa last week, which is sort of um, like micro workouts and how you can fit them in for one to two minutes, up to four minutes a day um, in little short bursts. And that has a massive impact on on health outcomes. And sometimes I think we kind of we look too wide when it comes to our health rather than the focusing on the smaller bits, you know, uh, you know, try to reduce down your snacking, try to go out for walks, try to do, you know, try to get up and not sit around as much like I'm doing now. I'm doing a podcast stood up rather than sitting down, you know, trying to um, limit 
the kind of um, unhealthy things you do during the day. And the thing is, I find that if you find more healthy things that you connect with, trying to find them and, and do them more, more often is better than just trying to find one thing that you think is going to cure it. So that would be, for example, if you think exercise is the way that you're going to lose weight and you think that I'm only going to do it if I do one hour exercise going to the gym and you stop going to the gym, then that's going to have an impact on your health because what we want to do is you want you to find something you can replicate and by replication means it's going to compound and it's going to be a lifestyle change and lifestyle change is what helps and fits and again it's always about trying try not to be too um trying not to be too what's the word attached to one ideal so whether that's the thing with that is like diets people then get into groups they find that they connect with people they get a bit of a social culture going on and therefore it becomes like an ideology and people get very attached to being you know like a vegan or a vegetarian or carnivore or whatever it is and sometimes i just find that it's also it's important to just find what fits and whether that is vegetarian for you for me it's animal based i find that having um, limited my uh, if I have limited amount of vegetables in my diet and it is completely optimal for me it, it 100% does and this all started you know two or three years ago and I have never felt better dairy I can't have but I can have cheese you know there's quite a lot of probably nuances within that but it's all about implementing things seeing what works trying it and just don't get too hung up if it's something that you like unfortunately they might you might not be able to eat it um, so you know just as just to sort of conclude about what was this, this sort of found was that the 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 intention of trying to lose weight is actually improved with when you are coupled with people that are normal normal weight so again highlighting that influence between overweight and, and um you know normal weight people and the influence that can have on your social structure and also the outcome from that as well um the study also showed that overweight young adults report more overweight friends, relatives and romantic partners, but reported weighted status of co-workers or classmates not associated with participants' weight. So we talked about that earlier, about how the people close to you tend to have the biggest impact. Um, and again, I, I, I can't overestimate that sort of power of that sort of social um of the people around you, you know, it's, it's, it's always, it's like when you sort of get around and talk about politics around people, you know, if you're talking around politics around a, um, if you have similar political interests, it's easier to have a nice conversation around it. You don't feel um, you have to have difficult conversations and things like that. Whereas if you talk about someone who's got an opposing political opinion, you know, you re you find it a bit uncomfortable. You might get a bit stressed out about it, and it's the same thing when you look at anything that challenges or your status of who you are. And and you know, a lot of it comes back to sort of understanding ourselves. You know, what do we feel that you know is right for us? And sometimes, most of the time, we know that if we've got a choice between an apple or a cinema bun, we know that the choice is the apple versus over the cinnamon bun but a lot of the time you'll go for the cinnamon bun and as we said before you know this food that we're kind of eating at the moment doesn't actually give us more energy it's that sort of dopamine hit that we get from having that sugar rather than actually it's the rise in energy that we're getting from consuming it and you know there's just so many things that i think aren't explained properly that lead to us having these unhealthy behaviors that are becoming endemic in our society friendship groups and close ones loved ones children and sometimes it's just about stopping if you if you are not where you want to be it's the same thing if you're in debt and you're fed up with being in debt then you just need to change where you are 
Again, if you're fed up with the job, there's no point in moaning about it all the time because no one's gonna change it other than you. So it's about, if you wanna make that change, you need to make that first step. It's, you know, my dad said this to me the other day. He sort of said that it, the, the inertia, the, the, the more, the most amount of energy goes into making a ball start to roll. And once it starts to roll, it takes, doesn't take the same amount of energy to keep it going. And I think it's so true. I, I sort of do really connected with that, you know, about when you start doing something new, it takes so much energy, so much focus, so much drive to get it going. Once it's going and to maintain it, it's, it, it's, it's easy. You know, people say, oh, how do you do so many things in the morning? And I sort of think, well, I, it's just because I know I've got to do them. I know I want to do it. I know it makes me feel better. So it's just second nature. You know, now I get up a half an hour early because I can then do those things and it's not so busy in the morning. But ultimately, it's a choice that I'm making. And now I've gone past the hard bit of getting up half an hour early in the morning at six o'clock rather than 6.30. Um, but then I'm like, my mindset's like, well, I used to be up at half five. So actually I'm getting half an hour of bed. So brilliant. So now it's not a problem. So now I'm up half an hour early. Now I'm working two hours before I go to school, which is enough time to come down, play with the kids, do the dishwashers, do all the kind of stuff you gotta do, make them breakfast, try and make them a healthy breakfast, to be a conscious dad, have a play with them, do a workout, do all this, get ready for work, and then go out for the day. Um, but it doesn't actually, it's busy in the morning, but it's not overwhelming. And I think the thing is, if you feel it's overwhelming, you need to make a change, make a sacrifice somewhere else. Mine was in the evening, in, sort of went to bed half an hour earlier. So then um, I could then get up earlier in the morning. So again, compromise, sacrifice, all these things are important, but they're gonna benefit you in the long run. So anyway, I hope you're really enjoying listening to our podcast um, and I, hopefully you can go. We also try to do blogs of all of our podcasts. We try to sort of put them in a blog form on our website and you can go and have a little read. So if it's not enough information for you in the podcast or you enjoy spending a bit of time reading some stuff, we've got loads of blogs there. They're super interesting. And if you're into intermittent fasting or there's anything that connects with you in our blogs, please share them with family, friends, people you may think benefit from them. And just want to say a massive thanks on Josh and I for tuning in every week and listening. Um, please keep um, your eye on what's going on with Narrow Revive, which is our brand new electrolyte mineral hydration powder. It's It's been two, three years in the making. We are launching it very, very soon. So please keep an eye on the website and our socials for for when it's live you'd go and try it we would um, absolutely love to try it give us some feedback josh and i have been using it for around about two years now it's been in our morning routine for a long long time um and we just want to hopefully see if it really benefits you like it's benefited us thanks so much again and we'll see you